0: I'm Ryan Novak with Ryan Novak Farms in Pleasanton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State now here's the host of texas ag today Carrie martin
2: hello texas we have got another week rolling and i've got another episode rolling for you of texas ag today all you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up we're going to take a ride around the lone star state as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation texas agriculture in the news today texas sheep producers are optimistic about the upcoming year i visited with several of them at the recent american sheep industry convention in fort worth we'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show my name is carrie martin i'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the lone star state and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in texas agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
3: Farmers in the Texas High Plains certainly appreciated the big snows we had around the region last week, but how are our soil moisture conditions really doing as spring planting time approaches? I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today.
2: Providing educational opportunities for 4-H and FFA students from rural suburban and urban Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have a report from the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo on the experiences for these youngsters on Texas Ag Today.
4: Sandbur or Grasper is a grass weed that is very troublesome in pastures and hay meadows throughout Texas. We will learn more about this weed coming up. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton.
2: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas sheep growers seem to be optimistic about the upcoming year. Dr. Rodney Cott is a sheep producer and vice president of the Texas Sheep and Goat Raisers Association. He says prices have been good, but the drought is still an issue. I think for most of us, Markets have been good the last two or three
5: years, and there's no reason for it not to be good. Texas enjoys a very active ethnic market for our lambs, which some parts of the western United States don't. And with that ethnic market, we've received very good prices. So market-wise, we're good. Of course, most of the sheep country is in a severe drought right now so the more feed you take out of the feed sack the less money you make at the other end so that's the biggest challenge right now is we're kinda in a survival we'll get through
2: this hopefully the drought breaks. We visited with Dr. Codd at the recent American Sheep Industry Convention in Fort Worth. The high price of eggs is all over the news right now but the reason for those high prices is not that complicated. Texas A&M Livestock Economist David Anderson says avian influenza is the reason. I think that's right. You know, avian influenza, high pathogenic avian influenza, has really hit our egg-laying producers around the country pretty hard. And it's really an unexpected decline in egg layers in our chickens. So if we could go back to January 1 of 2022. We had 326 million egg-laying chickens that are producing table eggs, you know, the eggs we consume. By June, we were down to $299 million. and it's really this disease that's hit us that's really called a lot of chickens from our nation's flock. And high feed costs are also contributing to higher egg prices. But with the entire poultry industry vertically integrated, are any of these high prices helping egg farmers at all? You know, to the extent that we have some small producers that may be selling direct to consumers, they may be seeing some higher prices. It's just that so much of the industry is very vertically integrated that how much gets around to everybody else, I think it's tough to say. But Anderson feels that high prices are increasing profits for egg companies, and that should result in more egg production, which could benefit egg farmers down the road. Texas' milk production continues to increase. Milk production in our state during the fourth quarter of 2022 totaled just over 4.1 million pounds. That's up 1% from the previous quarter. The average number of milk cows in Texas during the fourth quarter totaled 653,000 head. That's up 28,000 from the same quarter in 2021. Farmers in the Texas High Plains have welcomed the recent snowfall. James Hunt takes a look at how soil moisture conditions are looking as spring planting approaches.
3: Last week's big snow event was certainly encouraging, but where do things really stand as we head toward spring planting? To find out, I talked with the two Texas A&M AgriLife agronomists who serve the Texas High Plains. Dr. Calvin Trossel says the recent snow was a good addition to previous moisture events that have occurred since last summer, and the South Plains is actually in good shape soil moisture-wise right now, although more precipitation will be needed.
6: If nothing changed in a significant fashion from where we're at right now, the key for farmers as we get into May would be having planting moisture, that is, uh, recent rainfall that is enough to plant on and get germination need to get that moisture deep enough into the soil to what we call connect with the deeper moisture that we have so that we don't have topsoil that's moist, then a dry zone, and then deeper moisture in the soil. If we have that dry zone, then roots will probably not penetrate that. They'll hit the dry zone, and then they'll go sideways, or they'll not go any deeper.
3: Unfortunately, things are not as good in the northern part of our region, where last week's snow and other recent moisture events have not been as generous as they have been to the south. Dr. Jordan Bell says it might take another 7 to 10 inches of precipitation between now and spring planting to get subsoil conditions in the Texas panhandle back in good shape.
4: It's not that we're just in another dry winter, but we have been in a drought for over two years now. And so our annual rainfall has been behind the last several years, and so it's just compounding. And where we have continuous crop production, we are just continually depleting that stored soil moisture.
3: I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Stock show season provides millions of dollars in scholarships to Texas youth. Tom Nicoletti says there are several educational opportunities at the Fort Worth Stock Show. This is the final week of the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo, concluding on February 4th. Here is the Stock Show's communications manager, Matt Brockman.
6: We finished up our Junior Weather Lamb and Junior Weather Goat Shows. A young man named Graham Newsom from Olton had the Grand Champion Lamb. A young lady over in Parker County in Weatherford, Landry Lane, had the Reserve Grand Champion Lamb. And over in the Goat Show, Blaise Mock from Comfort had the Grand Champion Weather Goat. Shepard Silvis from Junction had the Reserve Grand Champion Weather Goat. We had just a little over 1,100 goats entered in our Junior Weather Goat show and 1,500 lambs in the Junior Weather Lamb show. At this show, we have 239 of Texas' 254 counties represented with 4-H and FFA members. That's just phenomenal. When you think about the breadth of the excitement and participation by these young men and women that come here and exhibit at Fort Worth, we're just extremely proud out of that number, just a little more than 11,000 youth entries. That goes to the heart and soul of our mission, providing these educational opportunities for our youth, regardless of whether they come from a rural area, a suburban area, even an urban area, to experience livestock shows, learn about the livestock industry. I see stock shows like ours as a gateway, as an incubator that exposes these young men and women to the livestock industry. For some of them, it's going to turn into a lifelong career. They'll go one to an agricultural college somewhere, study animal science or ag economics. Next thing you know, they're going to be leading our industry, whether it's in the livestock sector or the food sector somewhere.
2: That is Matt Brockman. He is communications manager for the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. I'm Tom
6: Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Sandburrs are one of the worst weeds to have in Texas pastures and hay fields. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson says the earlier you control them, the better.
4: Sandburrs effectively compete with more desirable forage species for sunlight, moisture, and soil nutrients. The best weed management program is one of prevention. Most sandburrs are easily recognized in the mature stage of growth when the burr seed heads become apparent. The burr itself is actually a capsule that usually contains from one to three seeds. We tend to think of the sandbur species as a warm-season annual plant. However, many sandburrs are classified as perennials because they can survive from one year to the next. The presence of sandburrs can be an indication of a weak stand of forage. Sandburrs are more tolerant of acidic, low-fertility soils than many of our warm-season forages. One of the best cultural control measures is to maintain a healthy stand of forage with proper management. Sandburrs can emerge throughout the spring and summer, and a flush of sandburs can often occur after a rain in late summer. Identifying sandburrs is key to chemical control. Unfortunately, most cannot identify sandburr until it has produced the burr seed hit. Check with your local county extension agent for identification guides. There are several herbicide products labeled for sandburr control in pastures and hay meadows. As with any herbicide application, timing is critical. Along with following label directions. There are pre-emergent products labeled for Bermuda grass pastures and hay meadows. Check the labels of these products for timing recommendations. Ideally for control with a post-emergent product, sandburs need to be sprayed when plants are less than 3 inches in height in the late spring to early summer. Unfortunately for Bahia grass growers, there are no selective herbicides available for post-emergent control of sandburrs. For herbicide recommendations, refer to your local county extension agent. Strict adherence to label directions is required by law. Paying close attention to label directions will also ensure safe, effective, and economical use. Herbicide labels contain directions for proper rate and timing of application, a list of susceptible species, and information regarding cleanup and disposal following use. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today.
7: The U.S. Department of Agriculture detected over 100 cases of avian influenza in wild birds in Texas last year. I'm Jessica Dolmull and I'll have more on that coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And equine neck pain may be more common than we realize. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
1: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
2: Equine neck pain may be more common than we realize. Dr. Bob Judd says it is very difficult to diagnose, but it is getting
0: easier. Neck pain may be more common, or we may be able to diagnose it better due to new technology. In the past, even getting x-rays of the neck was difficult, but now with digital radiology we can get much better images. Also, computed tomography, or CT, allows us to see the soft tissue structures, which x-rays do not show. Dr. Jose Garcia Lopez indicates in the horse publication that neck issues can affect any breed or age of horse and can be due to genetics, Confirmation level of use, how the neck is carried during exercise, muscle development, or external trauma. Signs can vary from those horses that seem to be painful when moving the neck to those that show few symptoms. Some horses will show neck pain when flexing the neck on exam, but some may be reluctant to move their neck simply because they do not want to do so, and not because of pain. If the neck seems stiff to only one side, the neck pain is likely, while if the neck seems stiff to both sides... It may just be normal for this horse. The most common cause of neck pain is arthritis of the joints, which causes pain and stiffness, and can even cause compression of nerve roots, which can also be painful. Some horses with nerve root pain can show lameness in a front leg, and yet the pain is not in the leg, but in the neck. Some of these horses will appear normal and then knuckle over at the fetlock due to nerve root compression. However, some can develop neck pain from a lameness in the foreleg. So in some cases, the lameness can start in the leg and lead to neck pain. These cases can be very difficult and complicated to diagnose. Any horses with neurologic deficits could be a danger to ride. So getting the correct diagnosis is important. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Avian influenza is causing a lot of problems
2: this year, including the high price of eggs. Jessica Domel says we've seen a lot of it in Texas recently.
7: For more than a year now, the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service has been working with hunters and other agencies to track the spread of highly pathogenic avian influenza in wild and domestic birds in Texas. HPAI is a type A influenza virus that is specific to birds. It can be deadly, especially to domestic poultry like chickens and turkeys. Michael Bodenchuk, Texas State Director of APHIS's Wildlife Services, joins us with more.
6: The term highly pathogenic relates to its impact on poultry, in particular on chickens. This A particular strain of the virus that's circulating now in wild birds is very pathogenic to chickens, causes mortality often within 48 hours. Many wild birds don't exhibit any symptoms of that. Waterfowl, in particular ducks, may be carrying the virus but not affected by
7: it. The virus can be spread through bird-to-bird contact or indirectly through contaminated materials. Migratory waterfowl and wild birds infected with the virus can spread it to backyard poultry and commercial poultry operations. That is one reason why APHIS has been working to track the spread of HPAI in wild birds. In 2022, APHIS confirmed HPAI in 190 wild birds in Texas. That is not the total number of wild birds that were infected with HPAI. It is the number of positives that APHIS detected through its surveillance program, which is ongoing. Three positives have been detected so far in calendar year 2023. We'll have more on this on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmore.
2: It's time for a look at the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
1: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
7: The cattle complex traded higher for much of the day on Monday. According to DTN, traders are expecting the next report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, which is due Tuesday, to show a smaller cattle inventory than the last report. February live cattle up $2.02 to 158.75. April live cattle up $2.52 to $163.35. June live cattle up $1.70 to $159.47. March feeder cattle were up 45 cents Monday to 183.92. April feeder cattle up 72 cents to $188.27. May feeder cattle up 87 cents to 192.72. Boxed beef was higher on Monday. Choice up 7 cents to $267.85. Select up $1.14 to 251.68. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
0: Jody Fry is my guest today because he had a cattle sale in San Angelo Thursday. Jody, how would it go?
5: You know, that rain on Tuesday, we were so glad to get uh, cut numbers back to 735 head, but had some pretty good quality cattle there. We're calling those better quality calves and yearlings at least 2 to $4 higher. Slaughter cows and bulls calling those at least four, uh, $4 to $6 higher. Those medium to thinner flesh cows, uh, they sold much higher at today's sale. Bread cows and heavy bred two year olds had some of those today. They sold higher again this week as well. Better quality steers, 4 to 600 pounds from 155 all the way up to a high of near 225, mostly 170 to 195. Better quality heifers, 4 to 600 pounds from 135 all the way up to a high of near 190. Mostly 150 to 170. Slaughter cows average to high yielding 62 to 78. Several of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 80 to a high of 90. Thinner or lower yielding type cows anywhere from 40 to 60. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding from 79 to 95. Just a few of those very highest yielding slaughter bulls from 97 to 107. Didn't really have an outstanding slaughter bull to test that very highest market. Red cows and heavy-bred two-year-olds. A few groups of those young to solid mouth cows, medium to heavy-bred, anywhere from 850 to a high of 1,400. Didn't have enough cow-calf pairs to test that market.
0: How do you feel about next week's sales? Uh,
5: sheep and goats, we may kind of uh, skate by on that one. Gonna be a pretty nice weekend. Should have several come in on Sunday. Wet Monday's weather should be pretty nice here as well, the way I understand. I'd say 3,500 to 4,000 on Tuesday. Uh, cattle sale on Thursday, that's all going to depend on the weather. We could be very light uh, once again next Thursday.
0: Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Jody. You
5: bet. They're at the office at 325-653-3371. My mobile phone would be
0: 234-7895. Neighbor, that's our Livestock Auction Market Report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today.
7: Lean hogs were mixed Monday. February lean hogs fell 72 cents to 75.15. April lean hogs up 7 cents to 86.52. January class three milk fell three cents to nineteen forty five. February class three milk fell eleven cents to seventeen ninety five a hundred weight. March cotton down hundred and seventy nine points to eighty five ten. May cotton down hundred and seventy one points to eighty five seventy four. March corn up three quarters to six eighty three and three quarters. May corn up one and a quarter to six eighty one and a quarter. March hard red wheat up four and a half to 8.73 and three quarters. May hard red wheat up four and three quarters to 8.67 and a quarter. July hard red wheat up five and a quarter to 8.58 and a half. March natural gas fell 16 cents to 2.68. April natural gas down 14 cents to 2.73. March crude oil fell $1.94 Monday to $77.74. April crude oil fell $1.91 to $7,805. The Dow fell 216 points Monday to 33,761. The S&P 500 was down 46 to 4,024. The NASDAQ fell 201 points to 11,420. That wraps up this edition to Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel and I hope to see you then.
1: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information,